Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible, if you want to turn on your Bible with your phone, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 17. That's actually a pretty easy book of the Bible to find because it's the first book in the Bible. And just kind of a simple new or a simple thought to start us off today, uh, a story that I heard some time back, and, and uh, it goes something like this. There was a new mom, so if you need a picture to help you imagine a new mother with, you know, a precious little baby, oh, precious little baby. Um, so was just experiencing the new mom stuff, all the excitement and the love and some of the challenges, but as the little boy grew to six, eight, ten months old, she started to be concerned because the little guy wasn't moving around as much as she anticipated. You know, she'd be crawling and toddling and standing up, and it just wasn't happening very much. So she eventually uh, brings it up to her pediatrician. He also seemed concerned, and so he decided to do a few tests. They came back fine. But he was just about to do a few more tests, and he observed an interaction between the mom and the little guy. And the little guy went, uh, 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 and mom was on it and picked him up quickly and did whatever she interpreted that he wanted. And so he asked, he probed a little bit, asked her some questions, and it was something like this, do you ever not pick him up when he whines? She was, no, I'm on it. And, and the other question was something like, do you always intervene to help him get where he wants to go? And so then the doctor potentially had this insight and gave her an assignment. Here was her assignment. Let's try this. Quit over-carrying your kid. Problem solved. It worked, and, and I, what I, I use that as example, not primarily as a parenting tip, although there's probably something in there, um, but just to try to get us on the same page, I think that most of us would agree that if we want to, no, wait, how, how do I want to say this? I want to get back here. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, and this is what I think we can agree on, ultimately, real life requires effort on our part at some point. Does that make sense? Like it's, if I want to be a fully developed human being, some of that's on moi. It's on me. It's on, it's on what I can do. You can't do it for me. Other people, and if we're going to shift here to explore uh, God, for sure God is not a parent who carries us always, all the time. Some of it is on us. Does that make sense? Just so you know, in case you're like, oh no, sorry, that's the reality. God is a God who will bring his power into our life and expect you and I to do some things. Some examples. Most miracles go something like this in Matthew chapter 12. There's a man who has a crippled hand. Uh, shriveled, not able to use it. Maybe he was in an, uh, in an accident or maybe it had been that way his whole life. And Jesus was planning on healing him, but part of the interaction is he, Jesus, said to the man, 
stretch out your hand. That's a moment where the guy's got to decide if he's going to do something. And so he stretched it out. Part of it's our responsibility to do certain things. In the book of Acts chapter 9, there's a story of a guy named Saul, who we mostly know as Paul. Um, by, by the way, you've probably heard the announcement, we're doing a class on the life of Paul. Probably will be a really good class. There's a bunch of people signed up. Um, but God is going to call Paul into being a phenomenal Christian leader. But part of the interaction, God brings his power to Paul's life, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 9. But he says to Paul in verse 5, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and, see here, and you will be told what you must do. You've got a part to play in this. And I could not think of any interaction with God where, there, there probably are a few, but where God didn't also bring to the people that he was interacting with some kind of an assignment. He doesn't show up and introduce, hi, my name's the Lord Almighty. Just wanted to say hi, I'm out. Like, you know, there's, there's, all, there's virtually always more to it, a command or an assignment. So hold that thought. We're in this series called Hope. And one of the things that will affect the hopefulness of our future is us knowing how to do our part. So that's what we're exploring today. We're looking at Genesis 17. We looked at the first eight verses last weekend. It's a story of God interacting with a man we know as Abraham. His original name was Abram. And he's giving, in the first eight verses, he gives... Abram, Abraham, this phenomenal vision for what God wants to do in his life. And it includes this encounter with God where Abraham's 99 years old. It's a big vision. Last weekend we talked about BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goals. If you didn't catch last weekend's message, it might be helpful. Uh, same text, basically, is what we're looking at today. The big vision included being a father and being uh, the initiator of nations of people. His name was going to be recognized around the world. He was going to inherit land that was not just going to be his, but his family's for generation, gener generation, and generation. Really huge vision. And today when we get to verse 9, we're going to see God giving Abraham his part to play in the unfolding of this. So we'll start in verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, see that transit, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with, your, bought with money from a foreigner, 
those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any un, Just a couple more verses. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Last verse. God also said to Abraham, as for your, I'm sorry, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. Title of the talk is Forever Hopeful Part 2, and I want to explore Abraham's part in his God-given future. And um, by the way, before I give you a couple ideas, it might be helpful for you to think of some idea or hope or vision you have for your future that you want it to be really, really good. It might be parenting. It might be, you might have a, a financial goal. Hopefully some of those goals are tied to God. So I know a lot of us are trying to follow Jesus. Like if you can think of an area where you know God is calling you to, the things that we're going to talk about today can really be helpful in getting you there. By the way, if you're not a Christian, you're just you know, kind of in church exploring this God stuff, um, even if you have a goal in your life that God may not be connected with it, the principles we're talking about today are just basically really good things for life to work well. So. Hopefully it'll be applicable. Let's pray. I thank you, God, that you have a plan for everybody listening, whether they're watching online or here on site. Um, and I pray I, as I give these ideas that I see from the Scripture, mostly you would talk to us and give us some uh, encouragement or insight so that we might be able to do our part. So we just need you. We always need you to talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So two ideas that I see here connected with Abraham's future. The first one is this. Abraham's great future required a new and significant change. If you're on site and you've got a handout, or if you're using the Version Bible, you can check it out there. Just, but if you just have notes at home, just write down, you know, big change or new and significant change. In verse 10, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. This is your assignment, Abraham. Now, you ready? Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, for the next five minutes, church may be a little awkward. Sorry. I, I can imagine, last week, in the first verses that we looked at, Abraham is on his face before God, which is inappropriate because God's interacting with human beings. A lot of times they end up on their face like bowing before God. And so this is just how I imagine when God gets to this part of the assignment, Abraham's down here on the ground. He's attentive, listening to God. I'm listening, going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And so then God's, okay, so now here's your part, Abraham. Here's your assignment. And then he starts talking about we're going to cut, here's your, you're going to cut some skin from your and every man's private parts. This would be my response. Excuse me? (laughs) 
I thought you said something like this, but that couldn't be right. Does that make sense? Like that would just be a weird, bizarre, new, that's why I put new and significant change. Never thought of that, God. Am I right? Like that's just weird. So here's where we're going to head with this. A regular, this is a fill in the blank, a regular part of our best development includes the adoption of a radical thought. By the way, God's not messing around here. It was part of establishing this covenant. Was this, but this idea of, an, of a radical thought, like what are, we, what are we talking about? And if you're a follower of Jesus, a serious follower of Jesus, you have probably had these moments where God interjects through the scripture or through a person or through just by his spirit something and you're like, wait a minute, are you serious? So it's like when God interjected into my life, this is the Bible and it is written uh, by the Holy Spirit, by the hand of God. This is God's word and the final authority. This is not just a good book, but it's the final authority to reveal truth. I still, wait, what? What? It's, it was like, wait, a, are you kidding? Tithing. Some of you have heard of tithing. I still remember when Todd Austin, a spiritual mentor of mine, introduced the idea of tithing. Tithing is the idea that as a follower of Jesus, you would give 10% of what God gives you back to his agenda. By, by the way, the principle in all that is it's all God's the owner of everything, and he asks us to give 10% back to him. I still remember when Todd brought that up, and I, you know, because I can do some math, and I'm like, What? People do that because that was a bunch of money. So, you know, you don't, nobody likes it when I talk about tithing. Everybody always goes, anyway. But like that, for some of you, do you still remember? And some of you, are, you're there right now. Like, what the heck are you talking about? But it, it, it's introduction of new ideas. Sometimes they're really simple ideas that you've never thought of before. Like, stop cussing. And you're like, I, people do that? I didn't. You know, like, don't take God's name in vain. And you're like, I didn't even know that was, I thought that that's just, I was raised to. You know what I mean? It's these ideas, but when you get introduced to the reality of God and his awesomeness and his holiness and the way he works, there are times he says, I'm going to give you something that's totally new. You've never even thought about doing this, but here's your assignment. Focus on other people and not yourself. I was asking uh, Pastor Kathy Smarella, some of you know Kathy. I was just thinking about this in my message prep, and so I just asked Kathy, Kathy, has there ever been a point where you, you, someone shared with you, or the Holy Spirit used someone, or just spoke to you about a radical thought, and it changed your life? And here's what she came up with. She was reminded of when I think it was a mentor of hers initiated the idea that change can happen in an instant. By the way, biblically, there are times when God just intervenes in a person's life and it doesn't take, you know, the three-year process and 10 years of counseling and four times repeating. It's just like, boom, God changed. It doesn't always happen that way, but there are times God just changes something in an instant. And that's what she shared. And then she also shared as part of the testimony a time when God did that in her life, just instantly changed something 
for the better. Radical thoughts. We're going to get where God wants us to be. We're going to have to face those and then decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to embrace it. By the way, the thing that stretches me the most in this idea is that many times these thoughts are so big and so broad, they don't just affect us. There will be a ripple effect on other people around us. Notice in the text when it says every, back to, we won't put it on the screen, but every male among you shall be circumcised. Can you imagine that conversation? Abraham has the encounter with God. God says, you're going to be circumcised and every other male. So when Abraham comes out from the encounter with God and says, hey guys, I got an announcement. I mean, you know all that, so there's, this is what I think, I know it would happen today. I think it probably happened then, then as well. There are going to be some other people that push back on, wait a minute, you've decided you're doing what? And that's going to affect me this way? Uh-uh. I don't like this plan. And as you and I, if we decide we're going to follow Jesus seriously, there'll be times when God will make it really clear, here's your assignment. There'll be other people who will push back and say, I don't like your assignment. Quit doing your assignment because your assignment is affecting me. Does that make sense? It happens. I remember one of the, well, one time when I remember this, just a simple, practical time. My wife and I, when our kids were younger, this is a story about our, our oldest daughter, who used to not be older. She was like little, little kid, third, fourth, fifth grade. We had decided as a parent, as parents, feel like God was leading us, especially when our kids were younger, we just took special care and tried to protect them well. Because sometimes, you know, kids can go through trauma and stuff when they're little, and so... So we just had this rule. It doesn't have to be your, your rule. It was our rule, though. Up until a certain age, our kids didn't do overnights at other people's houses. We just decided that. Now, they could at grandma and grandpa's or what, but like, so I think Leah was, you know, third grade, fourth grade, or something like that. And one of her friends at school was doing, I think maybe, maybe it was Leah's first birthday party. She got invi- invited to a birthday party, but it was an overnight birthday party. So we, you know, considered it, and we, had dis- we decided, oh, yeah, well, uh, you're not going to an overnight birthday party yet. And by the way, we didn't ask Leah. We just had made decisions as parents. And, and so, but here's where the pushback came. We talked to the parent and said we would love to bring her for the evening, but at 10 or 11, I don't know what time it was, we just are going to pick her up because at this point, our kids are not doing overnights at other people's houses. The, the other mama, she didn't like that. And by the way, it, she didn't have to. We, we said, you know, we, we're not trying to mess up your party, and it's okay if she can't come, but if you'd like, she could come for a however long, and then we'll bring her home. Other mama didn't, she was like, oh, no, no, you guys don't understand. It's an overnight party. And we were like, yeah, no, we understand. But if, and, and so maybe she can't come, but if she does come, then we would just pick her up at 11. And I remember this interaction with the other mom, because see, our decision was creating little ripple effects into her plans. And she was, well, yeah, but my little, but precious, my little daughter, precious, she has these plans. Because Precious has a plan for at 7 o'clock we're doing this, and at 8 o'clock we're doing a cake, and at 9 o'clock we're doing this, and at 10 o'clock, and at midnight we're going to, and we're like, yeah, we under, you know, 
It's a great plan. But, it, but we're, our daughter's only coming if we can pick her up at 11. And I, there was some go back and forth because it's like the other mom was like, oh, no, you don't understand. And I'm like, no, I think I do. And, I'm, and there was, do you, how do you know that gets awkward? And there was like this weird pressure thing. And I still remember struggling with ultimately still deciding, okay, I'm sorry that you're offended or you don't like what we're doing. And that wasn't my goal. But my daughter's, we're picking her up at 11 or she's not coming. You tell us what you'd like to happen, but that's the way, does that make sense? That's when, that's when Christianity and your commitment to Jesus becomes a little more difficult sometimes. It's when other people put pressure on you because your commitment, your faithfulness, your obedience is affecting their life. And sometimes, sometimes they just don't like it. So if you decide God calls you to a new season, some change morally, see, they don't like that because then they may feel guilt because they want to keep doing this. And what do you mean you're not smoking weed? Because we like, no, we need you to smoke weed because if you don't smoke weed, then I feel guilty that I'm smoking weed and you're my ride. So, or what, do you know, like there's this thing that gets all, how many of you know when you start to follow God, there's this ripple effect on other people and sometimes they don't like it and that's when it gets hard for us. And I'm saying, folks, there's legitimate ripple effect on our life, on other people's lives. If you decide, let's go back to tithing, which we all don't like to talk about, but if you tithe, how many of you know that really does affect your finances that in such a way that you may not give your children as much of an inheritance if you tithe your whole life? I actually think you may, but right? Because you're actually giving some of your money away. So your, you know, 13-year-old could say to you, don't quit tithing, because if you quit tithing, I could have a really cool bike. And then you go, sorry, we're t does that make sense? There's legitimate? You guys get it. I should just move on. So there's a radical thought. Da, 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 da. No idea where I am. If you tithe, yeah, that'll affect your finances. Some people won't like that. If you decide you're not going to go to the bar, They'll say, you have to go to the bar because you're my ride home. If you decide to live morally pure, if you decide to live morally pure, there's some people who will go, that makes me feel guilty, so quit it. Oh, here's one. Oh, this will be fun. If I decide that I am driven by the scriptures, and the Bible, early in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, it describes that God has created uh, people, male and female. By the way, male and female is actually... Uh, a, it's, a, it's a simpler identification process than what our world is moving toward. It's getting weird. Okay, now I'm not saying this to be a jerk or to be hateful to people who are struggling with their identity, but it should be a lot simpler than what our world, our world is portraying it. So I believe the Bible says male, female, doesn't take a super scientist to figure out what you are. You know, you can figure that out. Boy, girl, but here's what's happening culturally. There's pushback. We don't want you to read those verses or believe that. Does that make sense? And, and, and so, but I have some good news. Some people won't think it's good news, but it actually is good news. There's a God out there who is very clear on boy, girl, and wants to help us follow boy, girl stuff. I am so glad. 
And by the way, if you're struggling with gender identity stuff, there really is good news. Get to, get to know God, and he will help you clarify identity, and he really will be helpful. And I know I almost want to ask forgiveness for young, from young people. I know we've created a culture that is, we're asking questions and interjecting thoughts that should not be interjected to children. I'm so glad when I was like four years old and I found my mom's shoes with the heels. Yeah, that's what they are, right? Heels. Hi. I'm so glad as a little guy when I put those on and tried to walk around the house, no one introduced the thought to me, well, who knows, maybe Mark's, uh, you know, maybe he, what, do you feel feminine? Like, I just thought it seemed like a challenge to walk in these things. But does, it, does that make sense? I'm just so glad that, that someone directed me, get out of the shoes. Oh, okay, I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Okay, sorry, I've wasted, not wasted a lot of time. God is a parent who gives us direction. Just a word for those of us, responsibility for kids. Give your kids direction. Okay, I'll move on. A follower of Jesus, here's a fill in the blank. A follower of Jesus does not stop obeying when someone else gets uncomfortable. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. I'm sorry, we may have gone quick there. A follower of Jesus does not stop obeying when someone else gets uncomfortable. And then Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare. A snare stops your progress. It can also be deadly. So the first thought was Abraham's great future required a significant, a new and significant change. Going to give you one more. Abraham's great future required some adjustments in language. This is kind of a simple observation. Adjustment in language. I notice both in last week's text and this week's text, God changed names. So to Abram, he says, you're no longer going to be called Abram, you're going to be called Abraham. And in today's text, verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah. And here's just this simple idea, you can write this down. Sometimes a change in our words, or titles, or language, is connected to a change in our life. Sometimes a change in our words is connected to a change in our life. I've experienced this when I became a Christian and someone interjected the word disciple of Jesus. I was like, what's that? But after someone described it, that's a person who's seriously serious about following Jesus. When someone gave me that new word, you know what it did in my heart? It wasn't very long before I went, I want to be that. And it was because of a new word I adopted into my, whatever that's, vocabulary. Oh, that's a big word for me. Vocabulary, vocabulary. Is that a five-syllable word? Kendra, I used a five-syllable word. Woo! Okay. 
right? But it's just a word. But the word can make a difference and bring a change in our life. I remember when I realized I was a born-again Christian. And up until that time, I would have thought, oh, those are the weird ones. And then I thought, wait, I am one of those. Because it, but it did, it, by the way, it got unweird, in case you think born-again Christian. It, it, it was not as weird because I thought, oh, I get it. Because when I became a Christian, I found Jesus. He washed away the sin of my own life, and he gave me a new start. And it was like I got born again. It's like, oh, it totally makes sense. But it was helpful to me, and my life changed. It's not just titles, but sometimes declaration. There's, different, there's a different amount of power if you say, I'm going to try not to smoke pot as much. That's different than I'm never going to smoke pot again. Now, just the word never, just this last week. By the way, there's some things in my life. I just keep, anybody have sins in their life that they've had to repent of more than once? I will wait until everyone's hands up. You know, there's like stuff. But even if it's a stuff, I, the Bible ta- I think there's, there's some reference or observation of like a besetting sin. And um, oh, I could go on some tangents here, but I still, at times, I just did this this last two weeks ago, I still got, a, got this thing I've been working on forever, and I still got down on my knees and I committed again, God, I will never do that again. Even though in the back of my brain I thought, I'll probably fall. But I still declare, there's power, there's more power in repenting and saying, I will never do, or I will always be faithful, or I will, does that make sense? I, even though someday you may fall again, there's more power in bigger word declarations than just sometimes, all right. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. So it brings up this question Am I utilizing my words to my advantage? Are you willing to take on some new language? Like, I'm going to be a disciple. Maybe just today, like, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. Or I'm going to be faithful. Or I'm never going to take God's name in vain again. Or I am now going to be a generous person. Or, do you know what I mean? Whatever it is, how we approach those things and when we say them, declare them, there are times that us doing that gives traction to God's power getting us to where he ultimately wants us to go. It's really a, it's a thing. I had some other examples. You know, like maybe it's time to use some new financial words like debt-free. Oh. Maybe that's a a new word that will change the vision of your life. 
or emotional words like, I forgive you. That may be a new vocabulary for somebody. Like, but actually, I forgive you. Corey, did you just forgive your wife? Way to go, buddy. All right, to recap. Abraham's great future required a new and significant change and some adjustments in language. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.